This is The Predictive Marketer. The Predictive Marketer? The weekly podcast featuring interviews with the most influential predictive marketing professionals on the planet to tell us what's working today and what's coming tomorrow. Where we're going, we don't need roads. The Predictive Marketer is brought to you by SQ Media. In episode three of The Predictive Marketer, we're joined again by Max Trailer, co-founder and chief revenue officer of Breakout Revenue, where he works with complex solution providers, helping them to accelerate revenue using modern marketing and demand generation technologies. A continuation from episode two, we discuss Sixth Sense, mobile data aggregation and the implications, the new skill sets that predictive marketing will require, HubSpot as a one-stop shop, We also talk about company maturity levels to consider for predictive analytics. Predictive analytics for content is, yeah, I mean, it opens the door, right? I mean, because if if you're a a company that doesn't have a whole lot of leads, but you have a whole lot of content or, you know, you've got enough content to run the algorithm, then it's going to help you get to the next level because you'll be able to have actionable data to create better content that will help you develop more leads, right? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then yeah. you'll be able to use the, you know, the other tools that are out there that require a certain number of leads before you can actually use predictive analytics there. So, yeah. And that's why a lot of these guys like Lattice just put out their, uh, maturity model. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be a theme with, uh, you know, with predictive vendors, they want you to really identify wh- how mature you are. Uh, are you just getting started? Are you at the point where you've got so many leads you don't know what to do with it? And that sort of helps them tailor their conversation to how to use some of these tools. What about Sixth Sense? What do you? What can you say about those guys? Um, they're in the same pool as everybody else that's doing lead scoring. Uh, their claim to fame is over the past six to ten years, they've developed third-party relationships with B2B publishers in certain industries. So a big limitation for all the other vendors is, okay, you've got data about people interacting with your content, and that's the extent of it, right? Because you, you don't have a relationship with like uh, uh, Huffington Post or New York Times where they're actually letting you uh, see people interact with their content, what they read on their site. So what Sixth Sense did is, all right, if we create relationships with all of these publishers out there in the B2B community, we'll have a much better sense of what people are doing and what companies are doing out there in the wild. So what, what Sixth Sense, in a lot of their messaging, what they'll say is they're identifying in-market buyers or they're identifying people that aren't previously known to you that are exhibiting behavior that says they're going to be buying a solution in your space. Because they, they really, you know, it's the, the account-based marketing is really fueling, uh, is really fueling that, saying, look, I've got, uh, I want to know when a certain company is in market to buy because we, we, get, we can get all the information on who works there and who's in the right position. Right. Um, we just need, you know, timing has become a really big thing. So if we can get a little red flag when three or four people 
from uh, you know a, a target organization are reading articles a bit more than they usually do on a particular site about a particular subject, that's going to tell us, oh, you know, out of the million things we could do today, we should send an email to Tim over at you know XYZ firm because I know that something's going on over there. Right. It's exciting. Just a huge paradigm shift for it's, everybody. It's, it's complete. I was talking to uh, I was talking to a firm the other day that had a mobile app that identified stress levels in voices, stress and stress and ag uh, aggravation. So, <laughs> like, it, if you think about this, like a B two B B two B company has people reading on their mobile app, mm -hmm. right? Like uh, Huffington Post has a mobile app, right? And as that person's talking, they get aggravated about something and they get an immediate SMS message that says, you know, take a load off, sit back and read this. <laughs> like, that's where my mind went. I was like, wait a minute, this is what the future is going to be. Like, people are going to know when I'm upset. People are going to know when I'm happy. People are going to know when I'm in the car and I need a podcast instead of a, uh, a webinar. Yeah, that's, uh, that's scary stuff, actually. It's a little scary. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, you're going to find yourself watching your vital signs uh, just to be sure that, you know, a sales guy doesn't call you. That's it. It was a, it was a healthcare firm that that's what they were. You know, that was what they were saying. Well, we're just monitoring people's uh, stress levels and suggesting drugs to calm them down. It's amazing. The, the thing I see is that it's, it's happening very quickly. And, you know, if you think about the way the market accepted marketing automation software, for instance, companies were slow to accept that they were slow to get on board. Uh, so there's always early adopters, but there was a huge educational curve that had to take place. I, you're right. I, I don't know what's going to happen. What I, what I do know in, in marketing automation, we saw a little bit of this too, but it's going to require a different skill set in marketing. And I feel like in the past 10 years, marketing's kind of been turned upside down, shaken about and rebuilt as to who you actually need in your marketing department. You know, you need a, you need somebody with a process mind in marketing to handle marketing automation that was different from the creative minds that we saw 10 years ago and now we're saying wait a minute stop the process you can skip over process and predict whatever you want you just need to know how to handle data and analytics so now you've got like you know the IT folks the traditional IT folks that are now looking into marketing data and analytics and doing the jobs of the process driven marketing automation marketers of today yeah, I don't think there's any other industry that has experienced so much change. So for the professionals out there uh, providing services and consulting in this area, that is the opportunity. Yeah, it, it's certainly going to, like we saw in marketing automation, it's certainly going to represent a lot of opportunity for third parties, uh, consultancies, or people that uh, people that have analytics talent. You'll, you'll see like agencies that instead of having writers uh, and project managers, they'll have um, analysts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, and people that can, you know, evaluate different data solutions. And and that's what I see as like the biggest skill set that a company would need in-house is somebody that really understands the potential for using data to make decisions and being able to really ask those questions ahead of time, know what the really valuable questions are given their situation, evaluate the vendors and put together 
a uh, and put together a, a a situation where you don't have too many systems in place that don't talk to each other. Integration of data is very important to make predictive work. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I know there's opportunity in there, but some people are going to bring it in house. Some people are going to work with third parties. Some people are going to go directly to vendors, and it's going to be wild and crazy. And then eventually the market's going to consolidate and we'll move on to the next thing. Max Trailer with Breakout Revenue returns in just a moment. Stay with us. I'm Steve Chenoweth, and this is episode three of The Predictive Marketer. This podcast is made possible by SQ Media, an innovative marketing agency and creators of the Predictive Marketing Framework, making marketing ROI more predictable for our clients. Also by the SQ Media Kiva team, with our partners at kiva.org, we fulfill our mission to provide entrepreneurial support worldwide. We provide $25 loans, which have a 95% payback rate, to entrepreneurs in third world countries, helping to replace hopelessness with hope and enabling human ingenuity to bring lasting positive change worldwide. We invest in jobs and trade, not aid. Visit us at sqmediateam.com. Welcome back to our interview with Max Trailer with Breakout Revenue. So let's change the subject here real quick. How would you define the different players in the predictive marketing industry? Yeah, the the Forrester. Check out that Forrester report because it does it does a good job of identifying the aggregators versus the enrichers and the model and the predictive modelers. But like HubSpot, what HubSpot's doing is becoming a one stop shop. I mean, they're they're aggregating data. They're enriching the data with their, you know, with their CRM uh, intelligence. Hmm, so interesting. And then, and now they're, you know, now they're like, wait a minute, we have all the data, we can do these predictive models. It's not, it's not difficult to get a hold of a machine learning algorithm. Interesting, because they've got everybody on their server. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. But I mean, is there a conflict of interest there somewhere? Uh, yeah, like every direction you look, we've always, <laughs> we've always been asking ourselves, what's the, you know, what's the conflict of interest between HubSpot and Salesforce, um, but they just keep going at it, and somewhere behind the scenes, someone gets a handshake and a pat on the yeah, back. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, all they're collecting all the data from all these clients that are their customers. Mm. That's that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, like your, what's uh, that word, fiduciary duty? Is that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, it depends what they're collecting, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. anyway, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Um, you know, it's 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 information that I think would otherwise be useless. You know, I see. All right, um, sure. It's, yeah, I clicked on this. I clicked on that. You know, uh, that's yeah. That's not really private information, but in the aggregate, in the whole, it could help somebody go from spending you know two hundred thousand dollars and wasting seventy percent of it to just get the right information and be a lot more accurate with the things that they're producing. That makes sense. So, what um, are they going to do with the data? What are they going to do with all the data they're capturing? Yeah. Well, what is their plan? What, you know, is it going to be like a feature within the enterprise version that, you know, you can gain access to? Yeah, they've got, well, it's, it's lead scoring right now. So really what they do is they say, identify the uh, group of leads that you want more of. And, you know, you look at your, either your customers or your sales qualified leads and HubSpot will go in and look at everything about those people that they have data on. 
and the more data the better. And the machine learning algorithm will just throw, what, what machine learning algorithms do is they just throw guesses against the board until they find one that works the best. And then they come back to you and say, okay, this is the algorithm that works the best based on uh, your existing customers. And we see that in your database of 100,000 leads, you've got 20 people that matches this algorithm exactly. You've got another 150 that match it 80%. So it starts to give you uh, a lookalike scenario. Um, but first, you have to tell it, you know, what is the group of people that you want to analyze and get more of. Interesting. Okay, so let me ask you another question here while we're on this topic. My clients are all small companies. I mean, they're, they're under the midsize. I'd say they're all under the 20 million threshold. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, they're over, they're all over the 2 million threshold, but they're under the 20 million. So um, they, you know, I don't know if they would be a candidate for an idio solution, for instance. Yeah. So I, we, we struggled with the same thing. Um, we just got off the phone with a startup that couldn't be a better fit. Uh, it's, it's really about their maturity in content marketing over, uh, their company size. So, you know, again, when I was talking about how much data is available to you, um, you look at the amount of visitors your website gets, that's indicative of how much data you're gathering. And you also look at how many leads you're generating on a, a monthly basis. And at that point it becomes like, okay, there, there's a, there's a certain point where you're not generating enough activity. Uh, to where you know you might have to wait six months to get enough leads to convert to really start to look at those behavior patterns and say, well, I have a sample size of 500 people. I'm ready to start changing my content strategy based on what I see. Um, so, so that's part of the initial evaluation: is how many visits are you getting on a monthly basis, and how many people are doing that uh, demo action or that conversion action that you want more of. And then you say, all right, well, hey, I, we'll have the sample size we need in two weeks. And at that time, we'll be able to do anything we want to do because we've got enough data. Um, but then, you know, you've got, some, you've got some enterprise firms that are really nascent in content marketing, haven't done much of anything, not generating any leads. So even though they've got the budget, you might not have the data that you need to really make it work. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's more about maturity than size. You know, I mean, if we had some kind of analytics, as we've been talking about here, that told us, okay, you need to be writing about this. Your target market wants to hear about this. That would be great. Otherwise, because right now we're just guessing. Yep. We, we did a pilot with uh, HR Marketer who has, you know, their, their main question is, all right, do we target the tactical, they have a, a social listening tool. And their big question is, do we target the tactical folks that are lower end on the totem pole? And we know that talking about social media, talking about Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, really resonates with those people, and that's how they've built up their traffic. But at the same time, the question is, all right, well, well we could also try to attract the higher-ups, the CMOs, the digital strategists. And in that case, we need to be talking about more of the, the business case topics, lead generation, B2B positioning, that kind of stuff. And uh, a few weeks into the, a few weeks into the pilot, we, we were talking to the CEO about that very conversation. We brought up the dashboard, and all the social media topics were on the left-hand side, which which meant that they were saturated, 
and you should stop writing about that. And all the business use case topics were on the right hand side. Mm. It's saying that he should write more about, you know, the, the business case. And he was like, this is like, this is it. It's just, you know, like, what can he say? And we had been arguing about this for weeks. Interesting. Until we had the data and we just said, well, you know, now let's change your strategy. He said, yeah, I, I get it. I guess I guess we should do that. Well, uh, the content marketing blueprint was very successful for your previous employer. You know, how many of those did you run through? Did you, like you were there for a couple of years doing that? So, yeah, we had uh, we had like a hundred HubSpot agencies go through a little over a hundred go through our training, uh -huh. um, of which maybe maybe thirty became like you know active users that would be blueprinting somebody or you know multiple companies every week. They they really made it a part of their sales process. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was it was really fulfilling for me because I like you know I really liked working with the agencies and uh, and helping them accelerate that learning curve, but it brought everybody to the same place, which was you know a after we do the first three months of content or six months of content or however long it takes you to write about everything you know you should write about. Right. Uh, then the question is, okay, we've written about it. What do we do now, or what do we focus on? Or what do we make the decision to really invest in a webinar series or uh, go to a, a research organization and drop a couple thousand dollars, which in most cases you just don't have the confidence to do because you have to pick one topic. Right. Now, uh, you guys had a social listening tool that you were using in conjunction with the content marketing blueprint. I remember that. Yeah. And did that help you determine what uh, what to write about? In a, in a way, yes. Uh because what, what social listening will do is certainly tell you what's trending in the industry. The downfall of social listening is you can't really tailor it to any one segment of your market. Um, for example, you know, going back to that HR marketer example, he looks at his tool and he knows that talking about social media is going to get him the most traffic and the most, uh, you know, the most people to his site. But the, the better question was, well, who is that going to attract to my site? Is it going to attract the tactical people that don't have buy, uh, buying power? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to attract the higher-ups that do have the buying power? Right, and right. eventually the answer was no, but social listening wouldn't tell you that. It would, gotcha. it would simply say that the, the market as a whole is really jazzed up about Tom Brady. Uh, do you see breakout revenue using content marketing blueprint at all? Um, no, I think that... You know, I think that what the blueprint did, it was a little bit before, you know, HubSpot got a hold of uh, really going into detail as to how to build out their process. And most of what the blueprint did for companies now comes out of the box with, you know, with HubSpot. Mm -hmm. It's got the, you know, you've, you've got the opportunity to build personas. You've got the opportunity to uh, pick up, you know, workflow, different, um, different workflow formulas. What I would say is that, that the, the process that we put together in the blueprint was sort of a, a manual process. It was like marketing automation 1.0. Right. It would say that, look, people, people go through three different stages of the buying cycle. And in stage one, you want to give them thought leadership. Stage two, you give them information about your product. Stage three, you try and get them on the phone. Um, but you know, this whole conversation about predictive content analytics is... Uh, saying that it, it doesn't really matter where people are in the buying process. What's more important is what they're interested in. So 
I see the whole workflow and the need for people to sit down and say, okay, what are the 10 messages I'm going to send this segment of people over the next month? All of that manual work is really being replaced by this machine learning that says, you don't even have to think about it. Like, you don't even have to segment. Segmentation is now becoming more of a, a strategic act versus something that a, you know, a low-level marketer would do to get the right email to the right segment because um, it's all just being replaced with personalization that says, I know what Bill wants, and I'm just going to send him exactly what Bill wants regardless yeah, yeah. of where he is in the buying process. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's where it needs to go. Yeah, I think that... <laughs> I think you summed it up right there. If you could personalize to an individual level what people want to hear, what they want you know, to read about. We always talk about buyer centricity, right? That's the ultimate. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, man, I appreciate all your time and insight. This has been great. Thank you for listening to the Predictive Marketer Podcast. You can find complete show notes at thepredictivemarketer.com. Until next time, we're wishing you much success with your marketing.